Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 299 with my good mate and new author, Dave O'Neill. How are you, Dave? Yeah, going well, mate. How are you traveling? Always good when I get to see you, mate. Now I was talking before. Yeah, uh, we we both uh, we both have two young kids, and it looks like we're about to go overseas. Both of us, like it's on the audio, because the bags underneath our eyes. Obviously, you're not sleeping much, and neither am I. But what I want to know is, what's the best thing you have done in the last seven days? Well, so Friday night, I've got a fire pit out the back of my place, a bit of space out the back, a bit of land, if you like. Um, and we put the fire on and piled it full of wood and uh, a burn all afternoon. And by, yeah, boys came around about five o'clock and we sat staring at the fire having a chat for a couple of hours. It's just a little quick one, you know, we, it, you know, one or two beers. And it was, yeah, something, something special about looking at a fire, isn't there? Oh, there is, mate. I uh, I don't know. You get mesmerised in it. It's, uh, for me, that's mindfulness 101 there because when you are looking at that fire, nothing else is going on. It's, it's brilliant. So let's start off. Now, I know we're going to talk about your brilliant brand new book, The Seagull Who Soared, which is really exciting. And my two boys love it. And I love the story behind it. But before we get there, mate, let's go back to your childhood. Obviously, growing up in Ballarat, um, for those people who around uh, the country and around the world, Ballarat is in regional Victoria, very, very cold place, but produces some legends like yourself, mate. What was your childhood like? Were you always destined to be an author? Well, I don't know. I had three brothers, um, three older brothers, one a twin brother, um, and our childhood was just full of sport. So sport was the big dominant thing in our lives, and it probably wasn't, I didn't really have any sense of what I wanted to do um, until I stumbled upon um an author by the name of Rupert McCall, who was a poet, a uh, sports poet. It was just a bookshop. I picked up this book out of nowhere and um, it just took me on this journey um, about the Sydney Olympics. He had written a poem for every day of the Sydney Olympics. And if anyone's out there, Google YouTube Rupert McCall and you'll find something to really impress you. Um, the man can string words together like nothing else. And so um, that probably, I'd always loved putting words together, but had my, my use of grammar and punctuation that was pretty poor and I so I'd, I put sort of put aside wanting to be do anything with writing um you know my English marks weren't great um and I was probably pretty pretty like accounting and those subjects came pretty easy to me so I was on the path to becoming an accountant um until these books probably sparked something in me that I didn't even know was there and I started writing my own rhymes um and getting some good response from people even though spelling and grammar that was still terrible <laughs> um but you know i didn't ever see a career in it and i went off and became an accountant and um uh it went to uni became an accountant and then um wasn't until i was 23 living in london i thought you know what um i can't do this for another single day and i literally just um yeah weaseled my way into different things until i had a journalism job um and yeah took off from there with that, how hard was that when, I don't know, you spend three or four years at uni to study something and you're like, I've paid all this money, I've done all the study, but I'm absolutely hating every single day. Was it, how long did it take you to actually get the courage to say, I can't do this anymore? Or was it just like one day I'm not doing it anymore and that was it? No, nah, it was probably early on in doing the degree. I knew it wasn't for me, but I, I still didn't have that. I've always been someone who it's a bit of a journey that I was going to do. I, was, I didn't like sort of not doing anything. Um, 
And um, probably the hardest bit was I knew in my bones that because I wanted it so badly, I could make it happen. But you had to convince other people around you that what, like, so I was being offered accounting jobs. I came back from London. I'd been working six part-time at this little paper in London, um, basically because I'd, you know, convinced them that I was a journal, a freelance journalist and just did it on the side as be, being an accountant. And then none of the journalism jobs I was applying for were landing because I was not a journalist. <laughs> and funny that people around me were like, you know, what are you, like, what are you doing? Like, You've, you've got the potential to earn this amount of money going accounting degree, like doing your accounting job, which is good money and, and good jobs. But um, I knew that, like, you know, when you just know, Sidey, that it's in your bones that you, you, you're not meant to be doing this. And um, and so, I, yeah, it was probably that one thing that you had to come over that voice of doubt from others that, you know, like internally there was enough drive and, and the confidence there. But you have to sort of like, you, you live in a world with family and friends and and it didn't seem like it made sense to anyone else. So yeah, it probably took a bit to get over that. Why? Sorry to cut you off there, Dave, but why did, now this is, we all have this, but why does it actually matter? Why do we care so much? Like, do you think, I I think about this stuff all the time when you do something outside the norm or you, you know, I got sort of the same thing when I quit my teaching job um, to do something I believed in. Instead of people going, oh, that's a great idea. We're back here. We'd love you to do well. Um, I don't think they mean it and they don't intentionally do it, but it's not that. It's like, what are you doing? Like, it's the complete opposite yeah. of what someone needs. And it's funny is that some of your closest family and friends can sometimes be the, the guards that mm. um, they know you well. And and what had happened to me, I'd moved to London and I'd gotten outside of my circle of friends and I'd found all these people that just said, Go, you can do it. Like, or who, who didn't see, you know, who you... Sometimes it wasn't even what they said. It's just that, you know, the look they give you and, and, you know, people just said, oh, you should do this. You should, you could do this. You could do this. And then being outside of that comfort zone of your, of your traditional group of family and friends where you do get a bit stereotyped in life, don't you, with your, yeah. with the pockets you fall into and your friendship groups. And um, so then um, it was probably that that um, going overseas and, and, and not relying on anyone else's view. You know, it's just like you can do anything you want. And yeah. um, coming back, I think, yeah, there was enough people though that that did push me along. Um, generous people who probably had expertise that said kind things um, when they could have been. They could have said, you know, look, mate, you're a mile off it, um, and they just gave me. You know, you just get those little bits of gold that you you keep going, you keep going, and then, you know, I, I landed a job as editor of Vegetables Australia, and that was the that was the gig that like changed things, which sounds Vegetables stupid, Australia. Like, <laughs> I use that joke with kids in class. In class now, I talk to the kids when I read the book about following your dreams, and I get to the point where I'm like, and and I was, I dreamt of being a writer, and you know what my first job writing was about? Vegetables. Vegetables. <laughs> but it was the it was the stepping stone, and you and I, I think that's really important. You not, you don't fall into your dream job. You don't fall into anything great. You you take steps along the way to get there, and um, and um, yeah, that was the first stepping stone to becoming. A full-time media and communications professional um and it was went into journalism and then that and then um and probably over that journey now i've developed the confidence of my writing ability and I, i've learned that grammar and punctuation and all those tools that i needed to sort of round out my skills to then becoming like someone now i feel very confident in that ability um and it's almost like that's a that's a that's a trade that i have over others that i can write easily and well quickly and um, you know, and that's held me in good career, uh, good stead professionally. And now that's flowed into the um, putting out a book. And 
uh, you say it's a great book. It's not. It's just, it's a first start, and it's it's a it's an entry into it, and then hopefully we'll take it from there. Um, we are going to talk about the book, and I want to talk more about just that. You know, getting that first job, and it may may sound silly, but uh, I know you're a very good writer. You are very good with connections, um, but you're also a very good chef, mate. And uh, something that uh, people may not know that much about you. I know you close friends do, and obviously I do. But did that? help you because it's a pretty random gig do you know what i mean coming from an accountant in london to landing as editor of a vegetable magazine i love it and i'm sure kids can relate to it like you've, you've won them over there you've won me over but yeah. uh did when you got that job did your cooking ability help in any way no nah. it was oh. a farming magazine it was actually farming so it was like a veg it was based for vegetable growers and and so it did like you know it was quite, I found interviewing people quite interesting and, and that sort of thing. Um, but literally I applied for a job and I was looking applying for any comms job that didn't need a lot of experience, like yeah. low-level um, journalism jobs. And I pulled up at the place, it was with Ozveg, and I rang a, I rang a good mate of ours, Tristan May, and said, mate, can you tell me, Google, are you on a computer? Can you Google Ozveg and tell me what they do? And we went into the interview and I told them how, how passionate I was about growing vegetables. <laughs> and and it just stems from there but it is funny like from there i I was able to get to the weekly times which was based on that experience in horticulture and at the weekly times they not only spoke about farmers they spoke about country footy and that was something that i knew like i'd grown up in country footy circles like yourself and i knew that caper you know like the back of my hand and you know like so it's funny the the ways you can get into something and i always say that to people now it's like find some interest in anything and then you'll you'll be so surprised you'll find someone in that group that's connected into this group and then you know like life just works in mysterious ways sometimes well life works in mysterious ways if you allow that situation to occur um mm. if you're not willing to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation like when you went to Ozveg, like and and you're figuring something new out i'm i'm sure you're probably a little bit nervous as well like because oh, yeah. you're going like you're going for a position that you know you didn't have that four year territory education behind you you didn't even really know what they did and you're getting your mate to google it like do you know what i mean but you were the one that took that leap and it's funny how things yeah. play out because you allowed it to well i remember sitting at the desk in the first weeks i was there thinking someone's going to tap me on the shoulder and say <laughs> you're a fraud <laughs> you're not a you're not a journalist or an editor or whatever come do the come do the books we're worried about this non-current liability do you mind just fixing that up <laughs> yeah and and then like i think at some point and like i still have that now as a as an author you go into schools and you pretend to be and people say oh you're the author and i'm like it's sort of i mean i've written a book and i'm trying to be and i guess i am so i think um yeah you um yeah, I, and I think what what's, what I learned along the way is that you've got to take the opportunity. Sometimes life throws things in, in, in your path and you've and like opens some doors sometimes, but action is the key. And, and so I think the example is when I um, went to the Weekly Times, I was, I was a website producer. I basically produced the website, like I uploaded the stories and I wanted to write, like I want to be a journalist. So I just asked if I can write country footy stories when it's my weekend. And I went all over the countryside writing country footy stories for a year and a half. And that like that was hard work. So I was doing my job and and then, you know, not seeing my my now wife, um, who and and I was off to the back blocks of country Victoria 
But it was like, if you want something bad enough, you've got to go get it. No one's going to hand it to you. Um, and so, yeah, ended up working in the footy industry and then passing that lesson on to a lot of kids who came, a lot, a lot of youngsters who came through um, wanting to be a journalist, you know, straight out of uni in, in the footy industry. And you're like, well, you, you, you know, it's not going to just happen like that. Yeah. Go find, go, go work hard. Yeah, and I, that's a, it's a great lesson. And I think one of the things that, there's three things that I feel people, you know, it's doubt of themselves, judgment from others and fear of, what happens if this doesn't work? And like, and mm. it's natural to feel that, but how like liberating is it? And I know like you were working at St Kilda Football Club and you'd come from writing about vegetables. Like, but then before that, yeah. you're an accountant. Like, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Because you made that happen. Well, a little bit. And that fear you talk about, it's, it's, it's good. Fear is good because um, the whole way along my career, the fear was that I wasn't going to make a success of this. And and I was going to have to go back to, like, you know, people would say, oh, you've always got the accounting to call back. And I didn't want to go back to being an accountant. That yeah. would be far. Like, and I know failure is okay. Like, I've learned that in life. Some of your best um, opportunities didn't come from failure. But, um, you know, and that fear drove me, and it probably still drives me today, is that, like, make every opportunity count because it can go back the other way where, you know, the doors stop opening. So, um, you know, make every post a winner. And, yeah, so I think the fears are good. Mm, I, I do too. And it's having the confidence in yourself to go for that. Um, because each time you try something new, that fear slowly just disintegrates. It's always going to be there. And it's like it's like in our lives days, we need stress and anxiety, but we need to know how to regulate them. It's exactly the same with fear. You need to have a little bit in everything you're doing. Otherwise, you're sitting on the fence, mate. You're not really challenging yourself and you're not growing. Well, I think about your like the things you're doing now, going to speak to big corporate gigs and that. Like, there must be elements of that every time you go out to do, you've got to win over a crowd every time you go out there and, and you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Like, no, you know, I'm so definitely you've to, not, mate. <laughs> you've got the people that are will, willing to get on board and then people that are, you've got to win over. Yeah. And it's like, that's like anything in life. And you know that better than anyone, the way you form relationships, mate, but let's get onto the book. And I, I love it because the underlying message, this is a story to remind us all to ignore the voice of doubt isn't that funny? That was one of the things I mentioned. And chase our dreams no matter how big they are. Um, and obviously, Stevie, it's about your daughter. Um, do you want to just explain how how did this book come about? Because I know you've obviously, I'm sure you've written heaps or rhymes and things like that, but how did this one actually come about and make you think, I am actually going to go through and publish this? Well, yeah, it's a so after having Stevie um, in 2020, um, my career in the AFL was sort of coming to an end. I sort of knew that I was like, I was a bit worn out from it. Um, you know, it was awesome, but it was a bit exhausting. And, and I was looking for a different job that was probably more family orientated and but also like still passionate about, you know, I always need that passion of creativity in my life. And we were reading a lot of kids' books, um, even from like very early on in Stevie's life, you know, three, four months, we were reading a lot of books to her that I don't even know why. Um, she seemed to sit and listen. and They sit um, and listen anyway at that age, I think, mate. <laughs> More for amusement of ourselves, I think, as, uh, as parents. <laughs> it's funny seeing the difference in the kids now. Steve would lay there, look up at the book and let me go for hours, and Oscar <laughs> will stay for about 30 seconds. So. Um, but um, I probably like a lot of rhymes in the books, and um, there was these particular books, Rachel Bright's books, The Line Inside, The Koala Record, um, and the squirrels who squabble. So if you've got kids, get into them. They are unbelievable. Um, and I was sort of like, 
I can do this. Like I, I've got the poetry skills to do this um, from years of writing rhymes about sport and, and stuff. And so I had a go and I wrote a first one um, about a, a, a bull named Angus, which is one of my best mates, kids. And, um, and I was, I, I sort of submitted it to publishers and to be honest, I was a bit naive at the time thinking I could do it. Now I look back at what I was submitting. It probably wasn't um, ready. And, um, and then a Ballarat, a little Ballarat mob, um, Shoreline Publishing, who are a hybrid publisher. So you sort of work with them a bit, like you've got to chip in a little bit of money to start with and they get you going. And um, and it's often a good way for first-time authors to get in. Um, they sort of said yes to publishing it. And it, then it, like, I started thinking about how I was going to market this and and get attention for it. And I realised that it was going to be hard because I'm a first-time author and it's about, it's a generic story about um, a bull and it's a, you know the lesson was grass is always green on the other side, but you know where was the catch? And so I decided to um, to write a different book and um, and publish that, and that was the, what we've ended up with. And that was based on my experiences going on holidays down the coast. We go to Warmble every year, and we were chasing seagulls at Stingray Bay. And the the oh, so I was like, I said to Megs, I was like, this is the story. This is the story. Like this is this has a, this is easily going to drag people in. And the story came to me in like two days while I stand on the beach you know and it just repeat the rhymes over in my head until I build out the story and um yeah and then I so I said to the publisher I want to publish this one instead and I think it's I think it's paid off I think um certainly the conversations I've been having with bookstores along the coast and um the better traction I've get with schools in those areas it certainly um would have been a lot easier it's been a lot easier to deal with a book like this than something that was a bit more generic yeah I think that's a really good point uh particularly anything in life if your target audience is too large you end up affecting no one whereas you've gone for in relative to the world um you know yeah, the, sort of the great group. ocean road in um victoria which is a beautiful part of the world but you've nailed that really well and people get that sentimental you know they get buy-in because they're like oh it's, i live there i've been there i can relate mm. to this i've chased seagulls yeah. um you obviously intentionally did that yeah, and that, and that like, who doesn't love going on holidays? Like, you know that feeling <laughs> you get when you go on holidays. Yeah. And so, people have this uh, amazing connections with where they go on holidays. So, someone who goes to holidays in Apollo Bay to have it in a kids' book, they can pick up that book and enjoy reading with their kids and that. And um, yeah, so that's been it was very deliberate. Um, but at the same time, it's sort of also a story that came pretty organically. Like, you know, um, I was, you know, we're on the beach it's stingray bay and it's like it's just came you know and so they're the best ones when you don't have to try too hard they just the stories just coming out um and yeah pretty cool to be able to write one about stevie um and probably to put in that message that is really like i suppose the message that i want to is that that core message of what i did in my life is like don't don't stop chasing your dreams when others tell you not. And so in the book, um, Stevie's mum and dad have never left home. So they don't really understand why she wants to go on a big adventure. And along the way she faces, she meets other animals who'd say, you know, you're mad and who don't understand. And and she keeps going. And and that's what the book's not perfect. It probably probably lacks a real cliffhanger moment if you'll nah, like um No, nah, it doesn't but, mean it. I love like sorry to cut you off again. I love uh, where she finds a clan at the end. And that's do you know what I mean you you find people that will uplift you. Um, and that's there's new people along the way, and I think life's a journey that you do bump into so many different people, but you gravitate to the ones that make you a better person. And I really love that, mate. I, I think that 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 is a cliffhanger because that's life in general. That don't settle, but no one's going to do it for you. But find people that are going to help you get there. Mm. Yeah, and it's like you'd be the same, mate. It's like the um, 
we're only on we're only on well for a short period of time. So find people around you that like you know fill you with joy and um and yeah who who um who push you forward not um not hold you down. So yeah, very um, true, mate. So the probably the biggest critic down of everyone, Stevie. What's her what's her feedback? about the book being made and not only that like how cool is having a book written about you well it's it's funny isn't it like you sort of have this expectation that she's gonna love this book and you're gonna <laughs> read it every night and so the first time we opened the box and she she knew she'd heard me saying the rhyme over and over as i was practicing it and she knew that dad was writing a book but she's two and a half so she's you know like and so we get the book open and open the box and and there's the book and she's like what's this what's this book and i'm like yeah, it's a, it's the Stevie. The, who's that? She goes, that's the seagull. And I said, who do you think it is? And she goes, Stevie the seagull. And I was like, <laughs> and she had this big grin, and she got up and goes, let's read it. And so it was perfect, right? Yeah. You know, good little bit of social media content. And then, <laughs> um, probably for the next four or five days, didn't want to go near it. I read that. Uh, we read that later. She'd say we read that later. And then was it a couple of weeks ago? We're sitting and I'm um. I'm signing up copies. I've been going to school visits and I'm signing up copies for the schools. And she comes and sits down next to me. It's just almost at bedtime. She opens it up. She can't read yet. She's two and a half. And she just starts reciting the poem. Oh. And, and she, so all would give her with the the first word or the first two words on every line and she would recite it, the rest of it. Oh, and since then, she started, like, recite. And it's like, geez, those moments where you go, like, I just sat there, I ended up filming some of it and just say, like sitting there just going, Wow, that's pretty special, isn't it? So, yeah, that was a moment to remember. Oh, mate, that's that's definitely a moment. Um, also, obviously, you know, you've been travelling around to primary schools and um, being on libraries and all different things. I've seen on your tour um, of obviously the journey that uh, Stevie the Seagull went on. Um, how's that been? You know, it's probably put yourself out of your comfort zone, even something you've never done before again. Um, how, how have you enjoyed that and obviously getting to schools and sharing your book and yeah. what, what's that been like for you, mate? Yeah, it's funny. Like I've been to markets and had to sell the book and like, you know, this is not a, and then like, you know, can I get you 20 back? You know, like, and that I haven't enjoyed that part, yeah. but going to schools has just been a joy. Like it's hard work. I've got a lot of respect for um, especially prep or foundation, whatever you want to call it, um, teachers and, and grade one teachers. They, they that's an that's a energy sapping job they do. But again, it just comes back to that naive confidence that we were built with. And my brothers are teachers and that. So it just sort of like comes naturally to stand up and try and engage with people and um, had a bit of help along the way to build a like a lesson that um, was going to be engaging for kids. So it's not just me coming and saying, here's the book and let's read it. And so I've got a bit of a plan. And once you've done it once and you've seen what works, you sort of refine it a bit. Um, definitely a bit like, um, you know, it's like, oh, how am I going to go at this? You know, I talk a big game that I'm going to be like, no worries and that, and then you've got to go and deliver it. And so the first day was a bit of a, um, the first school I did, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's 50 minutes. You've got to be engaged. Like you've got to be kids asking the instruction for every single thing they do. And and yeah, so um, but I've absolutely loved it. The joy you get from teaching the kids and from them saying, I love your book or um, you know, um, I've already got that book. Some say, and I'll be like, oh, that's awesome. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so yeah it's been real cool and the teachers have been awesome and um as i said a lot of lot of respect for those teachers i i love that so let's thinking of that tour uh obviously writing the book getting it out there um you know getting it into people's hands and, and people aren't just going to buy it you know you particularly first time author you've got to make that noise you've got to make that traction like mm. you've been doing um what are you most proud of of 
you know, the, the journey, uh, not, not your career, like, cause we've spoken about that. And obviously I'm sure you're proud of what you've been able to come and overachieve and you didn't settle for, you know, a job that didn't fill you up, you know, a job that didn't satisfy all your needs, but now you've done something completely different. You've put yourself out there. Do you allow yourself to sit back or was it like a moment when, you know, you'll see Steve, she's reciting as a two and a half year old reciting the book that you've created, or do you allow yourself to take that all in? Like, and if you don't, you should. Yeah. I've thought about this a bit actually. And I talked to my wife about it. Like my temperament is pretty like, you know, I, I range from a five to an eight or five to a seven, you know, like I don't get too excited about things and I don't get too low. And I, I, I don't really know why that's the way I'm built a little bit. Um, and there's been some definitely moments where like Maggie Dent, who's a, who's a well-known author, um, shared my story on her Facebook page the other day. And, and the moments with Steve, you've been incredible. And some moments in schools that just like, you know, the kid, the kid that in a prep class understands what the book's about. So a lot of the yeah. times they understand it's about a seagull and the kid who goes, oh, it's about following your dreams, no matter what. Oh, and you're like, bang. Yeah, you've got it. Um, so, but yeah, I think overall, um, I'm a, I like to be a person that when I say I'm going to have a crack at something, I go and do it. And I think there's a bit of power in that because there's always, you could do this and that. So I think most proudly, I'm just proud of the fact that um, I didn't just say, oh, I've written a kid's book and it's like it's sitting in a, you know, my computer somewhere. Um, you know, I, I couldn't get a traditional publisher on board because like, it's hard work. I went and did one. it anyway. <laughs> I've sold a thousand copies, um, you know, 13 weeks later. And so it's like, I actually made it happen. Now, I've also learned there's a lot I don't know. And I'm so far from being able to say that, like, oh, I've, I'm, I've succeeded in this thing. Like, I don't think I've made a success for it just yet. I've, I feel like I've dipped my toe in and it's gone pretty well. But um, I've got a lot to learn. And I can, part of me does want to get that traditional published book that sits on every um, it sits on every shelf in every bookshop around Australia. And I've got a couple of ideas how I can do that. But it's it's sort of like at least I can say, you know, I've got this book for my daughter that hasn't, in the end, I've been able to make the money back that I put into it and and make one or two bucks along the way. And it's and it's also just like reaffirms to my daughter that hey, if you want to do something, if you actually want to do this, don't yeah. don't sit down and think tell people about it. Go and do it. So yeah, yeah. Talk, well, at the end of the day, talks cheap. Do you know what I mean? We can all say we're going to do things, but then actually pulling through and, and backing yourself and believing in yourself to do that. It's it is obviously the book is a metaphor of what you've actually done, which mm. is really powerful as well. Um, what would you say to, because I get it a lot of times, a lot of people that want to write a book, they've got these ideas. What would be your number one bit of advice for somebody that may, you know, be a little bit scared, you know, to put themselves out there. They don't want to be judged that fear, you know, the doubt that was spoken about. Yeah. I think the first thing I would ask them, and this comes from a bit of my corporate thing is, is okay, who's that book for? And even if it's a kid's book, it's just not for kids. Which kids are it for? Like, and have the, and then go on that purpose. So, like, there's a market for everything. Like, um, there's books that I pick up and go, oh, you know, that doesn't really ring true for me, but it's for a specific group of audience. Like, I know um, a book that's really specific. It's helping people learn English language because it's because of the sim- simplicity, right? And so there's there is a book for everyone. Like, there's a there's a, still opportunities galore to write books and. But so have your purpose really clear on who you want to read it, who you want to, um, and why you're writing it, and 
um, and then go explore how you can get it done because you can self-publish. You can you can try your hardest with traditional publishers and you might have more success than I did originally and hopefully I will get to that point maybe one day. Um, and you can go through hybrid publishers. And, so you can do it. You might have to be a bit courageous in terms of putting some monetary value, monetary money towards it, um, you know, and it's a bit tight for people these days. But, again, like what are you willing to give up to make it happen? And so for me, I was willing to give it up. I was willing to... To, to sort of put the money on the line saying I might not make this back because it means enough for me to do it and I want to test this out in my life. And, um, and you know, as I said, hopefully it'll lead to you, you grow your knowledge and hopefully I'll do a better job next time. So, yeah, I'd say to people, um, like, go for it. Like, you know, do it, do it well. Go and, go and do your research and then, and then, um, and then get going. Like, yeah, get it, it edited, get it. Get submit it and then take off. Yeah, and great advice. I think the you you can plan and plan and plan as much as you want, but till you actually do something, Dave, you're never ever going to know the things that you can improve on or the things that you do well mm-hmm. um, until you actually you know put your hat in the ring, like you said, mate. So I think that's great advice for anyone. Not even if you just want to write a book, but if you've got something, a passion project, or you've got something that makes you really creative and and just lights you up. Give it a go. The only way you know it goes by actually doing it and learning from it. So obviously you are, you know, you're a doer. You've got a lot of things that you want to do. What's next? What's what's the next books? Can you give us a little bit of a hint? Yeah. So so I've got a book with the same publisher coming out in November um, called Santa Skis the Murray. And again, it's sort of <laughs> like that trying to put a logical hat on. How am I going to get another book to sell? Um, Santa Christmas time. A lot of people go on their holidays to the Murray River and it's been a big part of our lives um, that doing that sort of thing. So um, Santa drops into, crashes the sleigh in Albury and works out his only way to get to Murray Bridge, which just happens to be where the spare sleigh is, um, <laughs> is to ski there. Um, and, um, yeah, and then from there I've got a couple, like I talked about the Angus the Bull book and I've got another one, Wombats Can't Surf, which I'm working on in my, uh, over and over with at the minute. Um I think wombats can't surf is a bit of a bit of an appeal. Like that has a bit of a ring to it, and um, so we might try and um, see where we can get to traction wise for um, um, you know traditional publishers. But I think one thing I've worked out is that that's not necessarily going to guarantee me more success than what I'm doing now with Shoreline. Um, and I'll, I'll probably just weigh that up when I sort of get more and more information as well. What 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 is the next step? Um, and why would you do it? Um, does it have any more appeal? Like you know could someone like Ripke will be interested in, in partnering with a book like that so um i think i think i just got to keep learning keep learning keep perfecting my i've learned that my poetry is a bit amateurish as well like it's not bad but it's sort of like could do with some tweaks um and still lots to learn about the publishing industry and how you can actually get a foothold in it so I think that's a really great advice there that, uh, do you know what I mean? You, you've, and for people that don't know Victoria that well, this first book's obviously the coastline. Um, and then there's a river that, uh, you know, splits uh, Victoria and New South Wales. And essentially a lot of people either holiday at the beach or on the Murray. And so really smart there that don't just write something and think it's going to be for everyone, write someone that it hits that heartstring, that sentimental thing, particularly very smart around Christmas day, you know, people are looking mm-hmm. for presents. Uh, very good. So mate, obviously the Seagull Sword is out now. Where can we get a copy? 
Yeah, I was like, how to help you. Have you got your copy? Hold it up. Hold, I do, mate. Still? Hold it up. I do. Up. Um, the, um, well, so you can get it online. So if you search Seagull Sort, you'll find lots of places who sell it, including the publisher. So it sells directly from the publisher. Um, um, but like Booktopia's got it. If you're in a... If you're in one of the bookshops down the coast, you'll find it in Ballarat. You'll find it with all the bookshops. Um, but yeah, for others, I suppose it's pretty easy to jump online these days. The Seagull Who Saw, do you want to Google it? And then you want to leave a review. Wherever you want to <laughs> leave a review, that would be terrific. Um, uh, but yeah, and like, I'm so grateful for anyone who's bought it. I've had such an amazing support from my family, friends, but like friends that you forget you had, that you like you worked with 10 years ago who, who said, oh, I bought three copies or uh, one of my friends has sent 10 copies all around Australia to different friends and um, they start like, you know, you feel the love, don't you, when you, you start something, have a crack at something, people jump on board and support you and, like, you just probably lost without that. So, um, yeah, pretty chuffed with that. I, I love that, mate. And I think the message about your personal journey to not settle and um, there's always more, put yourself out there because at the end it's, so rewarding when you can achieve these things that nobody's given you, you've given them yourself. And essentially that's what your book is, mate. Um, I'll have links for that in episode number 299. Uh, you can go and get that and obviously leave a review, but uh, Dave, mate, it's always a pleasure catching up. Uh, we're obviously friends. We lived in Ballarat together. I think we we're in London at the same time. We played footy together. Um, I just want to say, mate, I'm proud of you because um, a lot of people have dreams and they don't actually come through with them. You have, buddy, um, and you're living it and it's just a start. So should be really proud of that, mate. And thanks so much for being on the show. No worries, mate. Likewise, equally proud, mate. And you, you're the setting the example, aren't you? You're the example. <laughs> thanks, mate.